everybody, and welcome back to the Lenient Critic Podcast. My name is Rowan Wood, and back with me this week, I have Heath Lynch. Welcome back, Heath. Hello. Thanks for having me, Rowan. I appreciate it, man. Of course. And uh, this is going to be quite a packed episode of, uh, of, of the podcast. Is it just me, or was there a lot released in the last um, uh, two weeks? Maybe not, you know, maybe not as much as normal, but I guess, you know, we're sort of getting back into the, you know, at least one relatively big movie releasing every week. Um, yeah, it feels like we're getting into a bit of a groove. Uh, it mm-hmm. fi- simultaneously feels like there was a lot that came out and also nothing came out. I think yeah. that's more due to quality uh, than the quantity, uh, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it does feel like uh, it, it felt like there was a lot I had to watch uh, to tick off some boxes, but not much that I came out the other side going, "Man, I'm really glad I saw that." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So we have uh, four movies to discuss on our main um, topic this week. Uh, but at the end, I also I'm just going to have to mention four more that were released in the past week that I just that, that I just can't ignore um not as you know not big movies you know quote unquote big movies like the ones we're going to talk about uh main but uh however let us uh kick off with uh death on the nile someone is dead the crime is murder the murderer is one of you were you aware of any grudges madame is used to getting what she wants never again I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe with any of them. Belgian sleuth Hercule Poirot's Egyptian vacation aboard a glamorous river steamer turns into a terrifying search for a murderer when a picture-perfect couple's idyllic honeymoon is tragically cut short. Uh, This, of course, is a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, the 2017 version, uh, once again directed by Kenneth Branagh and starring Branagh as Poirot. Heath, uh, let's just, uh, before we get into Death on the Nile, what did you think of Murder on the Orient Express from 2017? Yeah, uh, so Murder on the Orient Express, uh, I would say objectively, or as, about as objective as I can be. Uh, I thought it was an okay movie, high side of okay, uh, with some flaws, uh, but overall I still subjectively found it enjoyable. I had a fun time with it, uh, I enjoy rewatching it. Uh, so I, I would I would say it's on the high side of okay, low side of good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree. I, I've only seen it once, and that was uh, opening day. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I remember liking it well enough. It's uh, It was a solid mystery. I had never read the book. I didn't know the story. So it was a surprise to me what happened at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, similarly, I had no knowledge of Death on the Nile. Uh, I didn't know the story at all. Um, have you read any of the Christie books? Uh, I have not one because actually one and not even a two, just the one I, uh, am not a big reader. I used to be, uh, in high school, college, when I was younger, I read all the time nowadays, uh, might be being a, uh, a, a parent of two or just other things in life. I, and it's also because inherently I am a slower reader. Um, I really take my time with it. And I know that I can just get a story much quicker out of a movie or a TV show than I can reading a book. It will take me forever. So usually I just <laughs> avoid reading and I wait for the movie to come out. Unless it's something that I really, really care about, then I'll read it. But right. uh, so, no, I hadn't read these. Uh, I was familiar with them, though, through pop culture and other references. Uh, you know, these aren't even the first versions of these films. They've been out before. Uh, so I, I was inherently at least a little familiar, but still most of the twists and turns were a fun surprise. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. Um, yeah, I am uh, more of a reader, uh, I-, I-, I assume, uh, kind of because I have to be. I'm taking multiple literature courses right now. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, I um, haven't read any of the Christie books, even though I know I probably should at some point. Um, but I feel like it's it's on- it's honestly just going to be more like I felt no need to read these books before seeing the movies because i just feel like it's going to be more fun watching it on a unfold on a big imax screen in in what should be a beautiful landscape with uh with actors that i recognize acting it out i just i I just find that to be more fun and it sounds like you do too yeah um yeah so uh death on the nile um you know it's in keeping with murder on the orient express having an all-star cast uh here we have um uh, Gal Gadot, uh, Army Hammer. We're not going to talk about them. Uh, Russell Brand, uh, Tom Bateman uh, reprising his role from Murder. Uh, Annette Benning, Don French, Rose Leslie, Emma Mackey, one of my standouts. Uh, Sophia Kendo, Jennifer Saunders, Letitia Wright. Also might not talk about her much. Uh, yeah, just big, big cast. Um, so yeah, let's just uh, you know uh, start off there. What what did you think of the cast? Um. Not getting into the things that we're not going to get into, uh, mm. keeping the artist separate from the art. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought overall it was, it was pretty decent. Uh, I thought the performances, with a few exceptions, uh, I uh, controversies aside, I don't think Gal Gadot is much of an actress. Uh, I think she means well, and she's definitely trying. I just don't know if what she's trying to do works in most of her movies. Uh, she is absolutely gorgeous. I know that her accent is sexy. I totally understand why she has a career, uh, but uh, she just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I find her to be very one-dimensional. Um, but everyone else I thought was doing a serviceable job. In particular, I would completely agree uh, that Mackie is just on fire. Uh, I had not really seen her before mm. uh, this performance before this movie but if this doesn't get emma mackie more roles in the future i would be completely stunned um off of that i also thought russell brand was pretty good playing against type and against character annette benning is always pretty good um and it was fun seeing rose leslie uh because mm-hmm. i i would imagine most people are like me and you probably haven't really seen her since game of thrones so uh it was it was an, an enjoyable suite of performances pretty much across the board with a minor exception Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I so um, I recently binged the first three seasons of Netflix's Sex Education with one of my roommates, and mm-hmm. Emma Mackey is one of the main characters there, and she is just as here. Right. She is the standout of that show. She is absolutely incredible. Um, so hopefully, you know, in her first major film role, hopefully she will be getting more attention uh, from 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 here on out. But yeah, I, I agree with everything that you've been saying. The rest of the cast is is just pretty good. Um, you know. Uh, 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 Brand and Mackie are my standouts uh, as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I think I liked the cast of Murder just a little bit more. Maybe it's just because of of of, of the actors. I you know I, I love Josh Gad. I love Daisy Ridley. Um, sure. I love Ju- uh, Judy Dench was in there too, right? Yes, she was absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, you know. I th- I think they with with these big casts they want the cast to make the movie, and I I don't think that's really happened with these Brana uh, Perot movies so far. Um, I I I think you know I'm much more interested in the mystery than I am in many of the characters. Um, even though uh, Death on the Nile, without giving too much away, um, does try to give a lot more character to our central detective to Poirot. Um, mm-hmm. how, how how did you how did you feel about that? Well, very quickly, and not that I want this to 
turn into a comparison podcast mm-hmm. of murder versus death, uh, Orient versus Nile. But I think it's inherent that there will be a little bit of that. I think it's mm-hmm. inevitable. Uh, it's unavoidable even. Um, I would agree. I think the cast was stronger in the first one. However, something that I felt about the first movie is that for whatever reason, the first movie is uh, has this... Uh, weird campiness to it that i feel like everyone is a little 10 to 15 percent insincere uh that makes me hard it makes it harder for me to get invested in what they're doing uh whereas i felt death on the nile was a little bit more genuine i actually think the actors and the cast from murder is better than on death of the nile mm-hmm. um but i felt more attached to the cast i think that's partially because kind of what you were getting at is this movie uh does more to give life to these characters whereas Mm -hmm. murder on the orient express is largely based off a backstory of an event that happened before the movie even takes place and Mm -hmm. you're getting all of that through exposition uh that's just explained to us by hercule Poirot and some of the other characters whereas in this film we're kind of living it we're seeing more of these characters uh, more of their personalities more of their flaws more of their attributes um and that extends to Poirot himself we're going to get a lot more backstory some of it I would say is not necessary but you are going to get that um and it, I think it led to a deeper connection to some of these characters so that when we did get the big reveal at least to me it was a little bit more impactful because I had a more rooting interest in whether or not I wanted someone to succeed or fail or I wanted someone to get caught or otherwise right it's you know it's just about a little over an hour in Death on the Nile when the actual death happens yep. um we, we we get to know the characters much more intimately here um than we do in, in in murder and you know just like in murder every character has a reason like like every character has a motive so and like realistically any character could have been the murderer um but the final reveal was satisfying enough uh, i i i i can't say i didn't see it coming but i was still you know satisfied all the same mm-hmm. um and uh, yeah, I um, uh, also side note. I think it's hilarious that this is going to be the first uh, of uh, at least two murder mysteries in 2022 uh, set on a uh, set on a sort of cruise ship. Uh, the second <laughs> being uh, Knives Out Two, hopefully coming out uh, this fall. Yep. But um, I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my God. Same here. That is. I think um, I I think it was near the top of my most anticipated of yeah, the year. Yeah, I think it's like my number three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I just you know it's. I think in many ways, Death on the Nile is an improvement on Murder on the Orient Express. And if we had more time, you know, we have a bunch of stuff to get through this episode. But if if we had more time, I would you know, I'm, I'm sure we we would go into it more. Um, but uh, I just I guess I sort of appreciated the quote-unquote sameness um of it all you know in that you know it's it follows a very the very prototypical murder mystery story pattern and i i really enjoy that i i i think it's great granted i don't think death of the nile is a great movie um but 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 it has enough actors that i love watching it has enough um i think you know the the landscape does look pretty cg heavy but i thought it looked pretty cool um and it like it it has enough twists and turns that i really really uh i I will say I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. uh, uh, To kind of wrap some things up, I I feel very similarly. Um, You know, objectively speaking, again, as objective as I can be, I think this is a high side of okay movie. It definitely has its flaws. You know, as much as I love the extra character development, some of it wasn't necessary. And getting our titular death on the Nile 
an hour into the Death on the Nile movie only leaves us an hour to actually murder mystery. Mm -hmm. So you end up taking your sweet time for the first half of the film, and then you end up having to rush the second half. And these like weird pacing issues do uh, detract from the experience. But once we do get to the murder mystery, um, the murder mystery itself, while again, I would say it's the movie is on a high side of okay, I personally end up on the low side of liked it because I'm having much more fun with the murder mystery. In fact, compared to Orient Express, uh, one of the things that bothers me about Orient is you can't really solve the mystery with the clues that are given in the movie. You mm-hmm. need inherent knowledge of backstory of this Armstrong kidnapping that happened before the events of the movie, which the audience is not privy to. Whereas Death on the Nile, you can be the armchair detective. You can have the opportunity to sit there and try to piece the clues together because they are presented to you. Um, I think some of it is contrived and ridiculous, but I still had Absolutely. fun with it. And I was still able to uh, figure out pretty much everything actually before the big reveal, but it was still fun to see it. Um, so uh, there is an, an ounce of uh, suspension of disbelief. You have to grant the film. Um, but once you do that, it, it is a, a fun experience uh, otherwise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, perfectly summed up, and we will leave that there. Uh, next up is uh, Marry Me. I'll marry you. You. Go! 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 Do you, some guy, take Cat to be a lawfully wedded wife? Okay. Cat Valdez left the guy from the concert, then also married her Uber driver. It's an insane situation. I say we offer $5,000 and let it all blow over. Or I could stay married to him. Huh? I started something last night, and if I don't finish it, I'll look crazy. We got to get out in front of this. Hi. You? Oh. <laughs> Explore the possibilities of what, of what might happen when a superstar marries an average Joe as a joke and discovers that perhaps... There are no accidents. Um, I know how you feel about this movie, but why don't you tell our audience, Asif, what did you think of Marry Me? Uh, I really didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt on so many moments, and then the, the movie would just do something to kind of spit in my face of the doubt that I was providing it. Um, I think that inherently there is an interesting story here, uh, but overall, no, I, I would say that I did not like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I am slightly more positive on it than you are. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was good, not great. Um, it is perhaps one of the more stereotypical rom-coms that I've seen recently. Uh, it doesn't do anything to subvert the typical formula. Uh, you, all you have to do is watch the trailer, and believe me, I did. I have I went to see enough movies in the theater that I probably saw this trailer five or six times. Um, I could you know I, I could basically map out where this movie was going from honestly the first half like 30 seconds of the trailer it is like it's it's incredibly obvious but that's not why people watch rom-coms i think that's not why this movie was made it's not made to surprise people um it's 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 made to give people you know sort of the awe feeling um and 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 just to you know to provide some happiness um this stars owen wilson and jennifer lopez two two actors that i think are are good um i 
I don't know what it was. Owen Wilson just looked a little bit off to me. Maybe it's the maybe it's the longer hair. Maybe it's the fact that he is, he was just about to play um, Mobius and Loki when he filmed this. So maybe I, I was sort of, and that was the last thing I saw him in. So maybe I'm sort of, you know. Uh, d- uh, Dis- disassociating there um but I, I i thought the leads were fine um it's also kind of a musical kind of not uh jennifer lopez plays a singer there are a fair amount of music and dance sequences which i think you know if you have jennifer lopez in your movie why not um but uh yeah this it's it's sort of it's sort of just a hodgepodge of you know a a like a mashup of you know just a very basic normal romantic comedy with some you know sort of flair thrown in there based on the talent that you have um it's nothing special anyway you spin it i think um but i i i i i had a perfectly good time with it i wasn't like you know i wasn't checking my watch or you know praying that it would be over um i i i just thought it was okay yeah, I uh, you actually kind of inadvertently hit on some of my issues uh, mm-hmm. with this film. One being, and the biggest one is there's there's nothing interesting about this story. There's nothing inherently unique that makes me want to watch this. That's different than any other absurdist rom com where there's a ridiculous premise. Whether that's you have to break up with a guy in ten days, or you have to go back to the sweet south and get a divorce from your ex-husband to marry the new guy or whatever premise you want to come up with. This one happens to be a pop singer uh, that is supposed to get married and finds out she's being cheated on. So she gets married to a random fan in the audience, which is would never happen. This would never, never, even if uh, a celebrity had this moment of crisis, there's no way this fan is like, Oh yeah, I'll totally just, especially when it's a fan who's not a fan. Like he was dragged yeah. to the concert. Like there's no way he's like, Oh yeah, I'll just like, marry you (laughs) like we'll deal with all that legal implication um so the premise is just absurd and there's nothing uh, super interesting about the performances about the story that makes me want to watch it it has the stereotypical and cliched third act misunderstanding that leads to a fight for no reason uh just to inevitably have our our characters get back together um the things that really bothered me are kind of like you actually mentioned on is this actually feels more like an advertisement for jennifer lopez and her music than Mm -hmm. a movie and there's nothing wrong with that j-lo is an incredibly talented actress we've seen that in film for decades now um some more so than others uh but she's also credit incredibly talented musician and in fact i would even say on my short list to start the year the song uh on my way is on my short list for best original song of the year like the the music's decent it's just it feels like that's why the movie wants us to be here more than this story itself. Uh, if I could go the rest of my life without, without actually hearing the song, marry me again, I would be thrilled. Um, <laughs> but the thing that bothered me the most is also just the tone of this movie. There's one scene in particular that just blew my mind. Um, and it's towards the beginning of the movie. If you've seen my review on letterbox, you'll know what I'm talking about. And that's uh, they have this performance at a concert where Jennifer Lopez, completely serious with earnestness, uh, dresses up as a crucifix. And there's a whole bunch of dancers, staged backup dancers around her that are dressed up like nuns, but not like sister act nuns, like half naked, three quarter naked sexual nuns. And they're dancing around Jennifer Lopez as a crucifix as they're singing about going to church to get married. It literally looks like something out of Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping. It sounds like something that 
Lonely Island would have written. Mm-hmm. And the movie plays it like it's nothing. The movie's <laughs> completely serious. And then right from the ending of that song, they go on with the rest of the story like it never happened and they never address it. And it's there's moments like this throughout the movie that I'm like, so are we are we playing this for a gag? Are we playing this for ridiculous humor like a traditional rom-com? Or are we trying to make a more serious Sleepless in Seattle style rom-com? And in which case, bringing in a Lonely Island song to your movie does not work. And right. it just, it's so weird. I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I read your review before seeing the movie. So I was just on, I was just keeping my eye out for that dance number. I, I was like, okay, Heath had to have been joking, but he was not. I was not joking. Um, yeah. She's a cruci- <laughs> she dressed up as a crucifix. And Which you'd think that that's not something that you could do. No. And yet like, she does it. <laughs> like, I'm not even a religious person. You can be as sacrilegious as you want. I think it's funny. But that's the thing. I was laughing at that scene. I thought it was hilarious, but the movie does not want you to laugh at that scene. The movie wants you to take it seriously. Like, this is some beautiful pop song, and I'm just like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that tells you uh, all you need to know about Marry Me. Um, I was a little bit higher on it than Heath, but it's it, come on. It's a rom-com. Look at the premise, and you know exactly what you're getting. Yep. Uh, next up is uh, Uncharted. 500 years ago... My family found the world's biggest fortune, then was betrayed. People have been searching for it all in vain. Both you turn your keys clockwise at the same time. Thanks a lot. He almost got me killed. Clockwise, Sully! Well, it was 50-50, so I made a guess. Clearly. A young, street-smart Nathan Drake and his wisecracking partner Sully embark on a dangerous pursuit of the greatest treasure never found, while also tracking clues that may lead to Nathan's long-lost brother. Uh, This is based off of the PlayStation video game series, none of which I have played, uh, and stars Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, and or Nate, as they call him in the movie, and um, Mark Wahlberg as his mentor, Sully. Um... I honestly can't say that I had high expectations for this movie. I, a lot of people, I heard a lot of I people saying that. I did not have high expectations. I had low expectations <laughs> for this movie, in fact. I heard a lot of people saying that the trailers were like were, were great and they look awesome and stuff. And I, I, oh, I hated the trailer. Just, I thought they just looked like a stereotypical action movie, which is really what it turned out to be. I, I feel like we, we got exactly what was advertised. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't understand the yeah. admiration for the trailers. I actually thought they were mm-hmm. some of the worst trailers that I've seen in a long time. And in fact, that's what led me to having incredibly <laughs> low expectations. I thought this was going to be crap. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, my low expectations probably saved me. Uh, Mm -hmm. I still don't think it's good. I think it's on the low side of okay. Like I rated it as a meh. Uh, Like it exists. It's a movie. You know, Uh, if you want to see some fun action stuff, go for it. If you want anything with a reasonable plot and logical characters who make smart decisions, then avoid it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, the unfathomably bad trailers are what made this tolerable for me because if i had went into this with expectations of oh this could be good i would have hated this (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i mean i feel like it's at this point we need to know what we're getting with video game movies uh it, it seems that the better ones are the ones that tend to fly under the radar heath i don't know if you saw werewolves within that came out in in 2020 one of my favorite movies great movie 
great, great movie. movie. Hilarious. Yet, like no, no, no one saw it, and it's probably yep. one of the best video game movies ever, ever. made. Right. It's um, like easy top three, if not number one. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how good Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I also have a soft spot for Sonic the Hedgehog, not just because I, it was the last movie I saw in theaters yeah, before fine. the pandemic, but yeah, it's, 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 it, it knows exactly what it is and it's not, it's not trying to adapt the games. It is taking the character, putting him in a new situation. As uh, someone who has not played the Uncharted games, I, I I I did a little bit of research. It seems like they're sort of pulling from some of the different games. I should ask, uh, Heath, have you played any of the games? Um, I so I used to be a manager at GameStop in another year and another timeline. Um, and <laughs> I uh, so a long time ago, uh, yes, I had played the original and I'd really played the second one. Um, mm-hmm. but I will say this, I do not remember the stories very much at all. I remember playing the multiplayer of number two more than anything. And even then I didn't play it that much because I was more of an Xbox guy and this was a PlayStation exclusive and most of my friends had Xboxes. So I played Xbox games more often. Um, but so I have at this point tertiary knowledge, it seems like for the franchise. And even then it's only the first two games. I haven't touched it since. Yeah. Uh I so I am not a huge gamer. I have played The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two, and that's it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, nice. <laughs> yeah, it just seems you know. I know it's a video game movie. The action is going to look cartoony, especially when you pull an action set piece like the plane sequence directly from one of the games. It's yep. going to look it it, it it's going to look cartoony, and it's going to be. You know, it's 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 not going to look or feel real in any way. Not just because it's shot up, you, you know, that it's literally just shot up against a green screen, um, but just, all, yeah, I don't know. Um, another bit of information that I think is w- w- would be useful in sort of sorting, uh, the, uh, you know, sort of understanding this film is that Mark Wahlberg was originally set to play Nathan Drake, and then somehow they. I don't know if they realized that they wanted to make him younger or they thought he would be a better Sully. I don't think he's really great as Sully either. Um, but I I don't know how I feel really about Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. I think he's doing his Tom Holland thing, but I feel like he's dialed back a little bit. And I, I he's probably my least favorite character that I've seen that's played by Tom Holland. I, so I, I just... I have yeah. several issues with the film. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're touching onto one of the bigger ones. So again, I have at this point, very minimal experience with the video games. But I'll say this, I'm a huge, huge comic book person. Mm -hmm. And when a comic book movie comes out, one of my first instincts is not to say, that's different than the comics, how dare they? Um, I'm the same way with any adapted source material because I realize mediums are different. What you can do in a comic book is not what you can do in a video game, is not what you can do in a novel, is not what you can do in a movie, and vice versa all the other way. Um, So... I try my best to always objectively watch a film and see what it's presented to me in this medium as a film. So like what they took from the, the games isn't necessarily what's important to me. Uh, you know, mi- mixing and matching relationships or whatever. Uh, I will say that I do feel it's miscast and I'm not even saying this from the, Oh, I want this to be just like the game's perspective. Um, but it really does, even if you don't know the games, it's very clear that they want this to be a Indiana Jones, National Treasure-esque adventure film, action adventure film, where we are going through hidden catacombs, trying to find a mysterious artifact or whatever have you. 
and it just doesn't play as well when your daring roguish hero is 23 you know he's mm-hmm. a bartender like it just uh it doesn't feel believable i don't i don't buy for a second that tom holland could do any of this uh, he's a kid he'd get the crap kicked out of him he would die um uh that's not to say that i don't understand why they made that casting decision this was made by columbia pictures the same that's sony uh sony has the spider-verse they make all the spider-man movies clearly tom holland is a big name people love him as spider-man of course sony's gonna want to bring him into this because he can make they can make money off of him i was in a packed theater when i saw this and i'm not even exaggerating 50 percent of the audience maybe even 60% of the audience was girls 25 and younger. And they were oogling and ogling and screaming sometimes when Tom would take his shirt off. I get it. Like (laughs) sexy, like show it off, flaunt it, have fun with it. But like, that's why he's the cast and not Mark Wahlberg. Um, But I do think it's an inherent mismatch. I really wish that the rumors were true all those years ago that Nathan Fillion Mm. was going to be Nathan Drake. I I think literally they modeled the character from the video games after Nathan Fillion. Uh, His uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly and Serenity is the perfect kind of brash uh, scoundrel Han Solo-esque character that would have fit right into the Nathan Drake persona. I thought that would have been much better. Um, and as well, that would have allowed them to make a Sully, an older guy. He's supposed to be like a grizzled war vet. And I, I don't just, I just don't buy it from Marky Mark minus the funchy, funky bunch. And it's just not, there's, there's a disconnect there that uh, it makes it feel like Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg are just playing themselves. Like they're not playing these characters. Mark Wahlberg is just playing Mark Wahlberg. Tom Holland is just, if anything, he's just playing Peter Parker. He's so used to playing that. He's played Peter Parker in like 35% of all movies he's ever been in that he's just kind of used to it. He still made like the quips. He even still like did a Spider-Man pose a couple times that I noticed. Like it's almost like instinctual nat- natural reaction for him to do so. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of bothersome that the casting choices. And, I, and it, I think the casting choices and performances really detract from the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and similar to Marry Me, it is increasingly obvious where this story is going. Uh, yep. From you know, from the very beginning, I could tell you everyone's character arcs: the uh, uh, the good guys, the bad guys, everyone. It is increasingly obvious what is going to happen, uh, and it just doesn't break any new ground for the genre. Maybe it's not trying to, but I honestly feel like it is. This I feel like every video game, you know, big budget video game movie now is going to try to be the video game movie. Yeah. Um, and Uncharted, unfortunately, d- 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 like does not do well. And I, I, I mean, I like... Um, there, um, actually, I, I was going to say there are a lot of video game movies I like more than Uncharted, <laughs> but there really aren't. Uh, um, so it, it may be in the top 10, but... There, that is very slim pickings there. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I will say, I did have the most fun in 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 Uncharted during like the very you know CGI heavy action sequences when the yep. when there are helicopters carrying giant uh, like 15th century ships and they are flying around above the ocean. That's awesome. It looks cool and it's fun to watch, but it's like, yeah. I, the- I, I, I should it's, not be loving that more than I'm loving maybe the physical action sequences or the character moments or. Yeah. The, and like that's, that. that's my other part of this film is that it's, it's nothing you haven't seen before. This is every <laughs> other action adventure film. I mean, the amount at which this movie clearly wants to steal from Indiana Jones while trying to be different, <laughs> but still clearly stealing from Indiana Jones is insane. Yeah. 
Um, there's even a scene that made me giggle so much uh, that because they did it in both Indiana Jones and National Treasure, um, where these characters they go to a, a a church because the clues say to go to a church, and then when they go to the church, they find hidden inscriptions on the walls that lead to a secret passageway through the church. I'm like, you literally did this in those other frames. Like it, that's how the same it is, yeah. and. Um, and so you're right. It, it, it's funny though. So like with all these problems that we have with it, where the, the performances, the, the, the casting is bad. I think the casting is just outright bad. Uh, I think the performances because the casting is bad is also bad. And this movie brings nothing new to the table, but I would agree with what you said that for some reason, I still find it watchable and still find it to be meh enjoyable because some of the action's fun. I'm not going to lie. The, the, as much as it's not believable and you definitely have to like just take your brain off for a second and be like, okay, that's not realistic. But like the cargo plane sequence, that is fun as hell. Like it is, even though I hate that the movie, I'm so sick of Hollywood doing this. They start that and then they do that. You want to know how I got here? And then they (laughs) rewind 15 years. And then we like take 40 minutes to get back to that action sequence. Stop doing that, please. Ugh. Um, But I had fun with that. That was great. I enjoyed that action scene. The uh, airlifting of the the grizzled old Magellan warships, uh, not realistic at all. That's not how <laughs> physics works, uh, watching these ships swing around as if they have no effect on the uh, helicopters themselves. Uh, but I, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. We're going to have people boarding other ships from one ship to another, swinging through the air. Like, I already knew everything that was going to take place. It was entirely predictable, but it was still fun. I still was like, ah, this is stupid, but I like it, you know? So, like, it's it's the, luckily, it's these fun, ridiculous action sequences that make this fun. And it will allow you to smile and have a good time. Again, I don't think this is a good movie. Uh, but if you're wanting a stupid generic action film, especially if you grew up uh, and you love kind of swashbuckling action adventure films that they don't really make anymore, not even just the, you know, like I already mentioned with Indiana Jones and National Treasure, but even mm-hmm. this has like a, a relical feeling of like Earl Flynn making Captain Blood or <laughs> The Adventures of Robin Hood, or you could even extrapolate Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Like it has those vibes throughout the whole movie. And if you're if you like those kind, or even like Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Mm -hmm. the good one when it came out almost 20 (laughs) years ago not the sequels um but if you like those kind of movies i'm sure you can at least have some fun with this again just it's not good but it's fun yeah yeah exactly i will say i do like two of the four pirate sequels but that's just me um (laughs) i tolerate two of the four pirate sequels (laughs) that's fair um now speaking of movies that are objectively not great but i enjoyed for some reason we are going to talk about texas chainsaw massacre nice so harlow is a ghost town we have a vision for this place all it needs is young blood i don't want to live here this is a chance for people to start fresh somewhere Somewhere safe. Hey guys, you should see this. What are you doing in our house? You really shouldn't be here. Oh my god. 
After nearly 50 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of, of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. I'm just going to start off with the obvious. This movie is objectively bad. It is not great. It is <laughs> like, it, it is, of course, it's not even a patch on the original. Nothing, like, no sequel ever produced by this franchise could be. But I liked it, and I'm not ashamed to say that I liked it. Um, it's. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's 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 the kill scenes. The gore is fantastic, and and I'm not going to say the violence is cool. That makes me sound like a psychopath. Um, but it's <laughs> it's it's shot very well. Um, and I, you know, as as non sympathetic as a lot of the characters are, uh, I, I I did enjoy the two central performances. Um, but Heath, what did you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I really didn't like this movie. <laughs> um, there are some elements that. I, I don't know if I enjoyed, but I can I can say that, yeah, like I can see what's enjoyable in them. I can find elements to appreciate, but uh, I really did not like this movie. Uh, and it got progressively worse as the runtime went on. Mm. I Like there is, I could feel myself in my head be like, oh, this is like three stars average. No, nah, this is like two and a half. Okay, maybe this is two. And we, it just kept diving. And it just, <laughs> the movie kept doing things that I, I, kept cringing and rolling my eyes at that i was just like oh god it's just getting worse and keeps digging a a bigger and bigger hole for itself here's the thing this movie is 81 minutes long including credits so so it's really like 70 um it has virtually no setup virtually no characterization uh virtually nothing at all before uh you know, Leatherface really becomes a threat just about twenty-ish minutes in. So yep. we really get um, like like less than an hour of an actual Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Um, it's trying to do the Halloween twenty eighteen thing of bringing back the final girl from the original movie. She wants she she she's old, but she's coming back for one last uh, you know one last push for revenge. Um, except the thing with Halloween twenty eighteen is a it's you know a superior movie in every way, but also it, it it gives us characters to empathize with that are actually connected to our final girl and give her a reason to come back. Texas Chainsaw Massacre brings back the character of Sally from the first movie, the final girl from the 1974 film. Uh, and unfortunately miscast because the actual actress passed away about four or five years ago. So that's a, yes. a bummer. And yeah. I, I think that also was impactful. Yes, absolutely. Um, but they are trying to do a bunch of different things in this very, very short movie, and they they just can't do everything that they they want to do. Granted, I will say this movie, if it if if it's trying to do something, it goes for it. Uh, it uh, especially I will cite the bus massacre sequence as <laughs> at, at least this movie lives up to its name is all I'm going to say. At least it is the it is the true this Texas movie Chainsaw Massacre. should be called Texas Party Bus Massacre. <laughs> like one hundred percent should be called that. That is the highlight scene of the film. It's not even close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, I don't know how many different ways I can say this is a bad movie, but I liked it. Um, no, and I totally get that. Yeah. It, you know, I, obviously, I, to be clear, because it sounds like I'm being such a Debbie Downer here today, <laughs> I've been pretty much for one reason or another saying like i'm not having fun with these movies even death it's, on the nile which i like the most out of all these it's still I, uh, february you yeah know, and it, yeah 
I, <laughs> these are February movies for a reason. Uh, but what I will say is I, I never want to dislike a movie. I always go into a movie hoping to enjoy the movie. And when someone does enjoy the movie and I don't, I'm happy for them. Like, I'm glad you had a good time with this. Uh, there's just certain things that I can't look past. Um, and two things in particular, I, I don't want to go on a huge diatribe, but one, I don't like when a movie sets off to do more things than it is capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if you plant a seed on something, please see it through, especially if it's a thematic theme. Mm -hmm. If you're going to layer in theme work, especially with horror, horror, in my opinion, is one of the greatest genres out there when it comes to social commentary. You can do so much with horror when done right, but when you do it wrong, it's tragically bad. Uh, this movie, I'm just going to rally them off real quick here, and I'm not even joking when I say all these are in here. This movie tries to shoehorn in commentary about gentrification and rehabilitating a neighborhood and kicking out the poor and bringing in the rich. This movie tries to take a shot at the Confederate South about Confederate symbols and the flags and what it does to take away those things, especially when some family members still care about those things and they try to deflect their racism by saying, oh no, this is just about respecting my family. This takes a shot towards Black Lives Matter movement and how cops treat Black people different than white people and how on the flip side of that, Black people have to act differently than white people when pulled over. Uh, This movie takes a shot at how generations Z and millennials uh, are constantly caring about recording their lives and documenting things through social media and caring about live feeds, even if it's at the risk of their own personal safety. This takes a stab at cancel culture uh, when it tries to infer that being canceled online is actually worse than real life actions that can harm you, uh, which is insane. It takes a shot about open carry gun laws and gun policy. Uh, And there's even to like a very exploitive degree a whole thing about high school gun shootings high school mm. mass murders came, came out of nowhere came out of nowhere. nowhere it's completely inappropriate it is not given the, none of these by the way are given the service they, that they deserve but especially this topic is used explicitly to exploit the audience and to derive a negative reaction towards an element of a character's personal past that a it's just it's so fake and so phony and that is way too much crap to put in a 81 minute including credits horror movie when you also still have to devote the majority of your movie to a guy swinging around a chainsaw you don't have time to do all that why would you do all that it it just feels it feels gross and it feels inappropriate and mismanaged um and another Mm -hmm. thing that i really hate in slasher horror films is and this is where the movie really lost me. I can't stand when people are literally the Geico commercial where they're like, "Oh, let's go hide in the shed with the chainsaws and not get in the in the running car." Like this was literally that commercial come to life. The characters in this movie are stupid, like beyond dumb. Some of the decisions they make, like. actively infuriate you can hear it in my passion like right now like actively infuriated me um there's one part where i'm gonna slightly spoil it's not a big spoiler but like uh where sally our final girl from the 1974 film that character has the 
two final girls from this movie, and she's come in town to save them. And instead of driving off into the sunset so they can live, just like Sally wanted to live at the end of the original movie with someone driving her off into the sunset, she literally locks them in the car and says, nope, you can't leave, and she uses them as bait. And I'm just like, what? Why Why would you do that? Or even in the, the bus massacre scene, uh, a lot of people, they just stand there and take it. No one tries to get out of a window. No, like, no, like the, the, or, uh, there's a, a scene as well where, uh, they are in the car and they can actively drive away and they just choose not to. They choose to try to run over Leatherface instead, which I get it. Maybe try to kill him, but like the option there is to run, just leave. And just for whatever reason, the characters in this movie are idiots and I, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Uh, I have no, I have no rebuttal for anything you just said. You are spot on. Um, I find, oh, oh speaking of the, uh, that, that Geico commercial, um, the second time I watched this, yes, I watched it twice. Um, the, <laughs> my, the friend that I watched it with quoted that exact same commercial. Um, and you know, it's this movie. It really is. Exactly. Uh, down to the chainsaws. Yeah. Um, but uh, I find this movie, uh, I, I did this more the second time when I realized just how terrible it truly is, is best when you watch it without uh, viewing it as a movie that is not trying to develop characters. It's mm-hmm. not trying to get across any major theme. It's really just trying to give you a big, dumb horror movie, which in the end is what it is emphasis on dumb um but uh yeah Uh, i will say i think part of the reason i had i have a slightly higher opinion of this is that this is the first ever screener i've gotten from netflix so i got to see it like a week early which is very cool to me um and so (laughs) i I think that's probably the reason that i was i think my excitement got in the way just a little bit um But uh, regardless, so yeah, that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's available on Netflix. Uh, Uncharted, Marry Me, and Death on the Nile are in theaters. Marry Me, I believe, is uh, on Peacock Peacock. for the remainder of the month. Um, But uh, yeah, also, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I would be remiss if I didn't mention four other films, um, most of them um, more... uh, independent ones that were released this uh, in, in the last two weeks as well uh he stopped me if you've seen uh any of these first i want to mention uh dog uh the channing tatum film where he and a dog travel across the country uh it, it's it's cute i liked it it's uh nothing super special uh i i like channing tatum i think he's cool he is what this he is what makes this movie watchable for me um uh, next up is kimmy new hbo max film from steven soderbergh uh basically um Set during COVID, which uh, but 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 not as much of a quote unquote COVID movie as you might expect. It's not done through video screens. It it very much puts you into the action. Uh, great thriller. Zoe Kravitz is great in it, and Steven Soderbergh once again does not miss. Um, and two others uh, are um, are much more off the radar. Uh, the first one is called Give or Take, which is a film that um, had its world premiere last week. Um, this was filmed on Cape Cod, where I'm from. Uh, and uh, it's about a um, it's about a guy named Martin who returns to his father's house on Cape Cod after his father passes away, and he basically has to um, make, uh, sort of uh, get friendly with his father's uh, grieving boyfriend. Um, and yeah, it's 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 Basically, you know, it's sort of a slice of life type thing where he uh, reunites with uh, friends from his 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 past, uh, and 
uh, you know, basically, uh, he gets, he takes all the lessons away that you might expect him to, uh, to take away. Um, today, I interviewed the writer and director for uh, the newspaper back home that I'm writing uh, an article for, and that was just a fun experience. Um, so, you know, give or take, uh, it's in very select theaters, um, but if you get a chance, it's a fun time. Uh, and next, uh, final, finally, actually, is a movie called The Cursed, which premiered at Sundance uh, last year under the title Eight for Silver, which is a far superior name. Uh, yep. This is a werewolf movie uh, set in the late 1800s. Uh, I really, really like this movie, um, despite the fact that not a lot of the mythology and the whole curse aspect does not really make sense. My God, is it a great horror movie? Genuinely scary. It was a mistake watching this at night. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, it stars, um, Al, I think the most recognizable name in there is, um, well, I guess there's two. There's Boyd Holbrook, who many know from Logan, uh, and Alistair Petrie, who is also in Sex Education with Emma Mackey. And he is uh, General Draven in Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and probably uh, the upcoming series Andor as well. Uh, he is fantastic at it. It's just excellent, scary. Um, scary smart and just all around wonderful so the cursed is also i believe in theaters now uh dog is in theaters uh kimmy is on hbo max and give or take is in incredibly select theaters uh i have not gotten to see any of those yet i do really want to see uh the cursed mm -hmm. and kimmy uh yeah. those look the most interesting to me i'll probably get around to seeing dog eventually although i'm not yeah. excited for it it's 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 not not a must watch that's like you know catch on a streaming service yep. uh later on but uh yeah so now we have um, a slightly smaller load. We have two uh, coming soon um, films for the next few weeks. Uh, Heath, do you want to start off with Cyrano or The Batman? We'll do a release order. We'll do Cyrano first. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, I, th this is the first time in the history of the show that this has happened. I've seen Cyrano already. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Heath, I'll let, you, I'll let you start off here. Um, what, uh, do you have any, any expectations? What, what are your thoughts based on trailers, et cetera? Well, I, I know just from uh, reading up on it a bit that the trailers are a bit deceiving. Uh, mm -hmm. The trailer kind of presents it as a, a kind of a, a misnomer romantic comedy, almost Shakespearean in nature, uh, but that it's in reality, it's actually supposed to be a musical. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I love musicals, so I'm all for it. I think Peter Dinklage is amazing. I believe that this is the story of Roxanne. It's more famously referred to as Roxanne than Cyrano. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm excited to see it. Uh, I've heard mixed things about the film itself. Uh, but I've heard that Dinklage is great and some of the music is catchy and that's all I need to watch it. So I'm excited <laughs> to see it whenever it does uh, come my way in uh, my city. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I will be reviewing this in full on the podcast on the March 8th episode. I'm going to have Ian Whittington on and we are going to talk about Cyrano and the Batman. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say, you know, I won't say too much. It is perhaps the most, uh, uh, the subtlest musical I have ever seen. It's not big. It's not flashy. The music is fan flipping tastic um but uh yeah i love 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 this movie uh it nice. is great i watched it I, I i had it for three days and i watched it twice uh nice. that is that is how much i loved it so yeah yeah definitely check out cyrano when uh when when you have a chance uh all those of you listening at home so now a movie that i think we will have more to say about and that is <laughs> the batman releasing on march 4th uh another one that has been pushed back several times um but yeah we have robert pattinson here uh his first turn as the dark knight zoe kravitz popping up as Catwoman, uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Um, yeah, this uh, this one. 
I don't know. It, this could be amazing. It could be terrible. It could be anywhere in between. I honestly can't get a read from the <laughs> from the trailers. It really could swing anyway. Of course, I want it to be great. I want to love it. It's a Batman movie. It's a superhero movie. But yeah, um, yeah. what about you, Heath? Um, Batman is one of my favorite characters of all time in any medium uh, mm-hmm. ever, period, in statement. Um, so I love when they come out with new Batman stuff. Uh, I know that it may feel like we've had a lot of superhero overload and even with DC and how Warner brothers has completely mismanaged the DCEU and fumbled it up. And that's why they're going to essentially reboot it with the flash movie. Cause they're doing the flashpoint story and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah is to say it may feel like we've been overwhelmed lately, but we actually haven't had a solo Batman movie since the dark Knight rises. Uh, and that was in 2012. So it's been a decade. Uh, Again, it might not feel like it, but that's the truth of it. So for me, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited because I think that with Matt Reeves directing, this could have a lot of potential to give us a different perspective. I love what he did with the Planet of the Apes, uh, Dawn in particular, uh, Cloverfield I'm a big fan of. Um, But I also like that, I know it's cliched to say, oh, they're doing a dark and gritty Batman movie. (laughs) Well, that's Batman's character. He's supposed to be dark and gritty. Um, It's the rest of the characters in the universe around him that are not. Uh, But he is dark and gritty. And I also like that this is going to be a detective story. I think that's lost in the feature films, uh, in the comics. He is considered the world's greatest detective for a reason. DC literally stands for detective comics because... (laughs) Batman came from a series called Detective Comics before they even made a series called Batman. Um, So I'm excited to see him actually parse clues and find the the answers that he needs before the police, before anyone to get to the bottom of the Riddler's devious plan. Speaking of the Riddler, I love Paul Dano. He's amazing. Please put him in every movie. I am so excited to see him as the Riddler. I'm excited to see Zoe Kravitz as Selena, uh, Colin Farrell's uh, The Penguin. And I am not one of the haters. I am a true believer in any actor is capable of just about anything until proven otherwise. You know, like I said earlier, I don't think Gal Gadot is good because I think she's proven otherwise <laughs> many times that she's just not good. But like Robert Pattinson has proven himself good. And I know there's a lot of people that still think he has the Twilight stink on him. And I just have to ask, like, have you seen any of his movies since then? (laughs) Hell, even if you want to take a movie from the Twilight era, he was better in Harry Potter than he was in Twilight. And that's Mm -hmm. just the nature of the movies. Like, you have to take the film, the director, the script itself into account. Uh, I have zero doubt that he'll be great as Bruce Wayne. I think he has the potential to solidify himself as a terrific Batman. So I'm incredibly excited for the film. I'm seeing it early. I'm seeing it before the fourth. Um, oh hell yeah, I me too, man. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. I'm stoked. Yeah, uh, I I managed to get tickets for that March first IMAX showing, nice. Um, which I'm I'm you know so so excited for. Uh, <laughs> it um you know it's uh, by the way uh, him and Kristen Stewart both you know proving all of all of the haters wrong. Uh, you know Kristen yeah. Stewart coming back in clutch with uh, with Spencer last year, um, and yeah it's it's honestly it's it's they're, they're really just cherry picking these these th- this one franchise that they did and they are using it to define these actors which it, it it really doesn't they have as you mentioned proven that they can do great stuff otherwise mm-hmm. um but yeah like 
I, um, you know, go, going back to what I said before about whether it, it could be great or it, it, it could, could be terrible, trailers can be deceiving. But yep. I personally really, really love the trailers for this movie when I saw um, the latest one in, in, in IMAX in, uh, or, or one of the newer ones in IMAX in December. I was just floored by how awesome it looked and how just so cool. Um, yeah, uh, you, you, you hit upon uh, most of my points. It, it just, this movie is almost three hours long. They can, they're going to be able to cover a lot in that three hours, I think. Um, you know, especially, you know, so many characters here, Penguin, Riddler, two villains, yep. even. Um, we, Catwoman. We, yeah, yes, exactly. We have the whole Catwoman thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I really like what you were mentioning in that, um, you know, we're hopefully going back to the detective roots of, of, batman and hopefully that three-hour runtime will give us some space to uh, to have an actual mystery involved the trailers mm-hmm. you know sort of tell us that oh you know the riddler might be playing games with batman and and stuff but not like not like joker games the joker just wants chaos the riddler wants to um you know the riddler is leading clues the riddler is you know there's a scene in the, in the trailers in the coffee shop where he's actually giving himself up to police officers but he 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 wouldn't do that unless he had a plan and a yeah. plan that he wants batman to figure out so i am ridiculously excited to see what they come up with um, same yeah so yeah i i am uh this is you know i i i feel like the batman is going to start the whole you know um you know big you know big big good movies of 2022 yeah. um, again uh you know before uh, before dr strange even kicks off the uh kicks off the summer season uh we're gonna get um we're gonna get the batman coming back here um but yeah so uh if you don't have anything else to say heath um that is uh the batman uh coming march 4th cyrano in theaters on mm-hmm. february 25th now for the spotlight this week uh in honor of mary me and texas chainsaw massacre being featured on this week's show we are going to count down our five favorite straight to streaming movies movies that debut on a streaming service uh whether it be simultaneously in theaters or just uh purely on a service at least those were the parameters that i used um and we will use the trump system uh if uh, not the donald trump system thank god uh if mm-hmm. if heath um has one higher on his list than i have on mine we will talk about it when we get it, uh to heaths um so yeah uh heath you want to start us off with your number five sure and uh just to be clear i tried mm-hmm. my best it's kind of hard to research some of these where absolutely did it, did it get like a theatrical at some point uh, i i tried to count it if it got like a, a festival run or like a one r- week limited theater run mm-hmm. just to qualify for a, awards, I didn't count that. I, right. I'm counting the wide release is it's straight to digital. Yeah. So uh, my number five I have is Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, I am going to trump that. Nice. Yes. Uh, my number five is uh, contention as to whether this could count as a movie, but Bo Burnham's Inside. Nice. Uh, which I saw for the first time uh, last month. Actually, it seems crazy. It was oh you know, wow, it was, really? Okay. It, 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 it was beginning of January. Yeah, like like the okay. first couple of days. Went over a friend's house. We were looking for something to watch. We were actually going to watch Tick Tick Boom, uh, but then my friend, uh, my friend's sister had to do homework. Blah blah blah. So we ended up watching Bo Burnham's Inside, which none of us had ever seen before. And my God, yep. This movie, <laughs> this special, it's really a movie. Come on, he is putting on a performance here. Um, I I listened to the full soundtrack earlier today, not for any particular reason. The music's so fucking good. Um, yeah, uh, just 
everything about this special is um is pure whether it's genuine or not i don't really care it's so well done um and Bo himself is i i've said it before on the show and i will say it again he is a genius and I, yes. I i don't you know i don't throw around that word a lot it's not a word that really should be thrown around but he is a true bona fide performing arts genius like the once in a generation kind um and, he's one uh, of the purest talents we have mm-hmm. right now and i just hope that we don't lose him not to like something dark or morbid just like I could see him being like, nah, I'm kind of done and just wanting to like retire and quietly go away and not be famous. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I hope that doesn't happen because he is incredible. I, I uh, didn't count um, that there was another uh, that I might mention in my honorable mentions that I Mm -hmm. also didn't count because uh, I don't consider them in my head movies, but I do consider them film. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a film to me. I I distinguish them slightly differently. Um, And I think it's incredible. I think Bo Burnham's Inside is absolutely one of the best things that has come out in many years. And uh, it is terrific. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's uh, the reason it's not, it's not higher on my list. I just, um, there are movies you know i i i as much as i loved it the first time i think i do have to watch it again because i was experiencing it for the first time without having listened to any of the music before without knowing anything about it i knew that a lot of the songs were popular but i think watching it again here like like knowing what the visual experience is going to be focusing more on the uh sorry uh knowing what the audio experience was going to be focusing more on the visual experience i think is going to be very uh beneficial so yep that is my number five my number four is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Nice. Uh, I didn't even want to see this movie <laughs> when it came <laughs> out. Uh, it came out right before Valentine's Day last year, mm-hmm. and my wife wanted to see it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, you get to pick a movie tonight. We usually trade off back and forth. I was like, sure, you pick. And uh, she picked this one, and my God, and I'm glad she did. It is literally one of my favorite movies ever. I think I've seen it four or five times since then in the last year. Uh, it, I Obviously, with the caveat and understanding, you have to like absurdist humor. You have mm-hmm. to like stupid, nonsensical humor. If you cannot get on board for that, and when I say stupid humor, I mean like some of the dumbest stuff you've ever heard. Uh, if you can't laugh at that, then this is not the movie for you. And that's fine. That's totally fine to each their own. Everyone has their own taste. But for me, I think this is one of the funniest movies ever made. (laughs) I think it's brilliant that this movie is about uh, two friends and two middle-aged female friends at that. That's not the type of subject material you normally see, let alone in a comedy of this nature. Uh, But this movie is a riot to me. Laugh a minute uh, and insanely rewatchable and insanely quotable. I, I absolutely love Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, and I would recommend it to anyone, anyone who likes stupid humor. I, I keep on meaning to 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 pick this up. It is, oh, it's terrific. I know it's been on my list of to watch from last year for so long, and I, I had the opportunity to watch it last night, and I I don't remember what I picked up instead. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was actually Pineapple Express that I watched for no particular reason. I was just feeling you know stoner comedy at that point. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I, I will definitely. I feel like I need to, um, you know, I don't want it to be a late night watch. I want it to be like maybe like a weekend afternoon watch, you know, maybe watch it with a couple of friends that we can all just really enjoy. It's, it, I will say it is better with more people. You'll mm-hmm. have fun watching it by yourself, but especially for a first experience, this is one of those movies that uh, you build and feed off the laughter. It's contagious. Right. And if one person's laughing, everyone's laughing. And 
it also helps to get people in the stupid mood and that you'll need to be in to watch this because you know if you're watching it by yourself and you're just not in the right mindset you'll hate this even if otherwise you could love this uh so it really helps to be in a group so that more people can laugh at all the absurdist crap that's going on in this film and there's a ton it's just great i love it i love it uh my number four is don't look up released last year on netflix uh i i really really love this movie more than the average person i think um i uh i i talked about it um in one of the early episodes on the show with foster i believe uh and i i i I just think this movie it doesn't do everything right i don't think many movies do everything right um but don't look up i i think it's just so clever in its script its script is incredible um i am more on board with adam mckay's humor than i think a lot are i think you really have to not just be in a certain frame of mind you really have to be in a in 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 a constant you know frame of mind to really um to really be into the humor a lot of it is funny on its own some of it is funny if you read into it and and some of it you really like it really depends on the type of person you are and the type of humor that you like i i'm assuming similar to barb and star um but uh well i mean obviously very different type of humor i'm I think, um, but uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, don't look up. I just think all of the performances are fantastic. This is really how to utilize uh, an all-star cast. Not necessarily make them, uh, you know, equal players. Leo and uh, Jennifer Lawrence are at the clear front of this movie, but you know, we also have uh, Meryl Streep. Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet popping up near the end of the movie. Uh, uh, Rob Morgan doing great work in 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 a supporting performance. Kate Blanchett, uh, Tyler Perry actually actually like being great. I uh, saw this in a theater for my first. Um, showing uh, for my first viewing and that was uh, it was the perfect place to be everyone was laughing everyone was having uh, a good time and i just think this movie may uh, uh this movie might be just a little bit too long but i really think it justifies its its runtime with the message that it is um that it is uh trying to uh, it's it, with the message that it's trying to convey um, that that now I, I know Adam McKay wrote it to be about climate change, but it it has such a double meaning now that I just think is absolutely insane that he like like that he wrote the script before the pandemic. I'm sure yeah. he fine tuned it afterward, um, but it, it like like this movie is just uh, incredible, and I love the ending, especially the post credit scene. Oh, I forgot to mention Mark Rylance. He was he was one of the standouts. I think he's giving one of the best performances of, from Mark Rylance that I've ever seen. He's just so good. Everyone's so good. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that is don't look up for me. Yeah, I uh, I I love uh, Adam McKay. Um, out of his quote unquote more serious movies, and I say mm-hmm. serious, not that they're serious, they're comedies, but more serious subject matter than say Step Brothers or Anchorman. Um, <laughs> You know, I definitely have the big short and even Vice ahead of this. I think this is his weakest of those three, uh, mm-hmm. but I still do like this. I think it's good. Um, I think a lot of the reason, and this is just me predicting slash spitballing, that I think a lot of the reason people don't like this movie as much is because it's hard to look at parody and understand its parody in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is if you look at other parody films, usually they're parodying things that happened previously. Um, and so you can look at that and enjoy it. Obviously on a more surface level, you have things like hot shots and hot shots part two, or like the <laughs> scary movies where they're parroting previous movies that had already taken place. And they're already part of cop, pop culture. You can do that. Or you can look at something slightly different, like a political 
satire, like Don't Look Up is, and something like Dr. Strangelove, um, and how that looks like it's considered a masterpiece by many people these days uh, for its parody of the Cold War and the tensions between the United States and Russia and, and, mm. and uh, nuclear fallout and all these things. Um, but I think it's important to remember that even Dr. Strangelove was not liked by many people when it came out uh, because it came out in the height of the Cold War. That was still happening. And it's only upon retrospective reanalysis in the years and decades since that people have really grown to appreciate that film. And I think not saying that don't look up will be Dr. Strangelove. I don't think that will ever happen, but I do think that the grading of this film will improve the further and further we get distanced from the things that this is directly parodying. Um, I, you know, like you said, yes, this is directly in reference to climate change. That's why he wrote it, but it does inadvertently also deliver a very fresh perspective on the handling of the coronavirus and this pandemic. And you know what? It's kind of hard to look in the mirror and say, yeah, we suck right now. Like we are handling this all wrong. This sucks. And this movie just shows us how much we suck and how stupid we are. And people don't like looking in the mirror. And I get that. Um, but, you know, maybe give it a year, three years, five years from now. Uh, I think people will be able to go back, rewatch this and be like, okay, this was better than I thought. This was pretty funny. Um, and obviously, hopefully, we're all still alive in five to ten years' time to, to make that reanalysis. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's an important film, and uh, I think that people will grow on it with age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My number three film is Palm Springs. Uh, I'm going to trump that as well. Nice. Excellent. Uh, my number three, another cheat, is Hamilton. Uh, the um, cheater. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's Hamilton. Um, <laughs> so this, of course, if if you don't know about the musical Hamilton, where have you been for the last uh, what has it been six years, seven years at this yeah, point? Seven or eight years. Yeah. Ago, actually. Um, so yeah, um, I was lucky enough to see a Boston performance of this. Uh, Foster was telling me when we were walking in the city a couple months ago, he saw it with the original cast, front nice. row, the original cast, New York City. Uh, and I, I, I don't think I've ever been more jealous of another person. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, this, you know, the music is fantastic. And the filmed performance of this, I know... Um, a lot of people were hoping that Hamilton would be uh, adapted into like a a quote unquote a movie movie uh, that's you know I think it not will at some point on on stage record. absolutely um, but I do think that at least for now it does work incredibly well on stage even like even when filmed like this it just works so so well uh, not just because you know it, it was obviously made for the stage um, but just all of the actors are you know, so dynamic. I don't know if we're ever going to get this cast, at least all of this cast together again, um, you know, to, to perform this show. Uh, but everyone is just, you know, the energy is, 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 is tip top. Um, I believe they combined performances from a few different nights uh, for this, um, for this. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, but just everything about it is so on point. Um, and if you have never listened to the Hamilton soundtrack, Come on, even if rap, even if hip hop is not your cup of tea, it's just, ah, oh, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> I, I was not that big of a hip hop person. Uh, I listened to Hamilton. I'm not saying it completely changed my view of the music genre, but I will say it definitely helped. Um, <laughs> 
I, I, I don't feel like I need to keep uh, to say more nice things about Lin-Manuel Miranda. I know he's gotten uh, more criticism than he definitely should, um, but he is like, like, you know, um, I don't, I don't know if he's quite on the level of Bo Burnham, but he is a, a, I, I truly believe a once in a generation talent. He is incredible as well. So smart, so intelligent in his lyric writing. Um, maybe not, uh, he, he, I, I don't believe he's as good as, uh, of an actor as he is a songwriter and lyricist. Um, but he is just excellent and 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 so fantastic. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. I think steals the show as 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 Burr and uh, Davi Diggs as Jefferson and Lafayette as well. Um, they're I mean everyone in the cast is so fantastic. I'm just spitballing here, but this is um, I, I I do believe one of the best um, Broadway musicals uh, ever written. So. Yeah, it is really good. I do love Hamilton, and I have nothing against the pick. I just, I just personally, and this is just me, I don't consider mm-hmm. it a movie. Of course, I consider it a filming of a stage production. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't have considered it, but I don't begrudge you at all. It is terrific, and it's a great experience. And yeah, if you haven't heard the soundtrack, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, uh, that is the exact reason why it was not considered for Oscars. Yep. Uh, my number two, I have the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Nice uh, on my honorable mentions. Nice. Yeah, I uh, so I understand uh, some people may not enjoy this movie too much. I totally understand the criticisms, especially with the ending and how they changed it and uh, from reality and just had him list off all these soldiers names and try to give you that feel good moment. And I get it. It can be a bit hokey. But you know what? Damn it. It's still entertaining as hell. Absolutely. Um, I am a complete sucker for Aaron Sorkin. Uh, there are very few things he does that I don't at least enjoy to some degree, if not outright love and consider some of my favorite material ever made mm-hmm. uh, a few good men. Um, but uh, I love this. And I also think in our current political climate, it's important to look back at the past and some of the things that happened that are certainly being reflective in today's age. Uh, and I think this is an important story that needs to be told. And it's important that it needs to be told to a new generation that, probably hasn't heard it even myself uh i was pretty unfamiliar with this event i knew like tertiarily that some of these things had happened i knew about the riots i knew there was a trial but i didn't really know what it was about i certainly didn't know that it was the sham political court thing um and all the ridiculous stuff that the judge did uh which i didn't even believe because the movie is so ridiculous at some points with one some of the things the judge does i'm like oh he couldn't have possibly like no judge would actually do that and then you go look it up and you're like not only did the judge do that he was actually worse the movie toned it down which is insane um but i I think the trial of the chicago seven is great it's full of solid performances from a terrific ensemble cast you mentioned mark rylance earlier he's fantastic in this uh and uh yeah, I just I find it incredibly captivating and entertaining. I could listen to Aaron Sorkin write legal, legal dialogue for forever. <laughs> just Absolutely. between this, the social network, and a few good men, just go. Just <laughs> tell me all the court stuff. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I um, saw this when it uh, a, a few months after it came out. I really, really liked it. Um, yeah, you know, Aaron Sorkin has my number. Uh, he is just I, – I, I do believe one of the best um, – one of the best uh, uh, writers in, in, in film uh, that, that we have ever had. Uh, well, yep. film and television. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, this, this, this movie's great. I think all, all, all the performances are fantastic, um, uh, especially uh, even uh, Sacha Baron Cohen. I know he's gotten some criticism, but I think he's the best of them. Um, and uh, Eddie Redmayne's in this too, I believe, right? I have not seen mm-hmm. it since it came out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and... Um, 
uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, I believe uh, he got some awards recognition uh, for his role as Bobby Seal. Um, I he was may great. be wrong about that. He wasn't that. in the movie that much. But yeah, 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 I know, but he was... He was um, fantastic. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I, I also want to give uh, mm-hmm. credit. Uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of uh, you got to hate your villain, mm-hmm. and your villain has to be good for you to hate <laughs> them. And if you hate them more, the the catharsis in the story is that much more real. And Frank Langella is just awesome as this detestable judge. Uh, yeah. He's fantastic. Which was, uh, from, from what I understand, one of the more true-to-life uh, elements of the yeah. of, of the story. The judge was actually like that. He was an objectively horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let us move on to my number two, and that will be, uh, finally, we get to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Heath, if you want to start us off, because you had it as well. Uh, no, you had it higher. You go first. All right, cool, cool. Um, so, yes, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, I have only seen once so far. I'm seeing it again on Tuesday with a Q&A with Andrew Garfield afterward, which I'm quite excited for. Oh, I hate you. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so from the – so I uh, did not know anything about this movie before I saw it other than uh, the fact that it was about Jonathan Larson. I saw it a couple weeks late, so I knew that it had been getting some buzz. I know – um, a lot of people who I respect, uh, such as some members of the Sif Pop staff, uh, uh, and uh, the Sif Pop and CinemaSins staff really, really loved it. And so I had relatively high expectations going in. And those expectations were just shattered. This movie blew my mind as to how just how emotional and how incredible this kind of story could be. Andrew Garfield just blew me away. That that was, I believe, my favorite performance of last year. Um, and, and this was also my favorite movie of last year. Uh, and God, the man can sing. The man really can sing. Um, this is another, aside from Bo Burnham's Inside, this is one of the uh, soundtracks that has been uh, on repeat for uh, ever since I saw this movie. It is just so good. And I know the soundtrack is not original to the film. Jonathan Larson wrote it, um, which just goes to show how how big of a talent he was, too, and how mm. friggin' depressing it is that, that he was gone so soon. Um, died in 1996, I think, uh, right before... Um, rent started open to mm-hmm. the public yeah um but yeah i i just think every performance here is absolutely spotless uh the musical numbers are so fantastic um i saw some people talking about online how lin-manuel miranda's direction wasn't that dynamic i completely, completely disagree. disagree yeah he is like, like like just from the musical numbers he has been doing musical theater for so long he knows how to like, like he, he knows how to shoot these things he knows how to direct uh, actors, he knows how to do musical numbers. He is, he, he, I believe, he was the perfect person to do this. Um, and uh, I love how this movie uh, not only serves as a uh, a late tribute to Jonathan Larson, but also as an unintentional tribute to Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, r- right down to the fact that he did his own uh, voicemail uh, for the scene where um, where Jonathan uh, gets the call from him. So yeah, uh, this movie is just so incredible, um, and j- just from from top to bottom is just uh, you know I-, I mentioned earlier how you know there aren't a lot of perfect movies. This is the one that came closest, uh, at least in the past year for me. Yeah, I absolutely love Tick Tick Boom. I got the opportunity, and I was very happy to review it for Sift Pop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a near perfect movie as well. Uh, as previously mentioned, I love musicals. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't get enough of them. I go to, I have a 
season tickets to my local municipal outdoor theater. I go every summer to multiple shows. I, I rewatch musicals all the time. And Tick, Tick, Boom has already been one of my favorites. It just came out about three months ago. I think I've already seen it three times. Um, <laughs> it is incredibly powerful and very moving. I don't think, unfortunately, that Andrew will win Best Actor. I think it will go to Will Smith, and I totally understand why. Uh, Will's tremendous talents, and he's been around for a long time, so I get why the Academy would want to give it to him, and I totally understand. But for my money, I think Andrew Garfield gave the best performance last year. Uh, I think he's incredible, not even just beyond the singing, even though his singing is outstanding. Uh, The way he's able to emote, um, oh my gosh, just (laughs) the welling of tears and the tremble in his voice in some scenes is so powerful. Um, And I absolutely love this music. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Uh, My favorite song in the movie is Sunday at the Moondance mm-hmm. Diner. Yep. Uh, when the front of the building falls away, the literal fourth wall breaks off. Uh, that is one of the coolest shots, not just in that movie, but in any movie. And that's <laughs> the scene I'll point to when people say Lin-Manuel can't direct. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that this is, you think that move that, that just happened on its own? You, or you think, you know, Lin-Manuel made that happen? Um, uh, I also love Therapy which Mm -hmm. shouldn't work. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a scene that is this poppy kind of jokey, corny song that is spliced together with a real world fight. And these are two diametrically opposed uh, tonalities that shouldn't jive with each other. But for whatever reason, that song plays perfectly. Mm -hmm. I also love uh, 3090. Uh, The opening song is incredibly catchy and I could sing it for forever. (laughs) And the one I I love the, the most uh is uh the f- final song uh which is i forget what it was called actually oh, it's, man. is it just why no or like actions speak louder than words louder than words is yeah. what it's called yeah um that that song is great um so so much of it is is truly spectacular i love tick tick boom if you are a fan of musical theater at all uh, you should definitely watch this. It will be right up your alley. It's almost in many ways a tribute to musical theater. You'll see a lot of legends from the history of musical theater throughout this film, either whether they're actually there in person or they're referenced. Um, but even if you're not a musical theater fan, even if you're not even a musical fan, I'm sure you could find something in this movie because there's a lot of the elements of this story that are incredibly relatable um, and it's very powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I echo everything, uh, and I cannot wait to watch it again. So, yep. Heath, you're number one. Uh, well, we already know you're number one, but my yes, number <laughs> one is uh, Sound of Metal. Nice. Uh, one that I have not seen. Oh, my God. So, Sound of Metal was actually my pick uh, for the Oscars last year. I knew it wouldn't win. I'm not saying it's my pick as in my prediction, but if I was to pick the best picture, it would be Sound of Metal. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought this was an incredible film. It rocked me to my core. I've only seen it once because I have struggled to want to see it again. Uh, Not that it's as detrimental and hurtful as something like Schindler's List, but in a lot of ways, it creates that same vibe with me where it's like, I recognize the greatness of this movie, but man, I don't know how often I'll ever be able to rewatch it because yeah. it, it's a, it's kind of a, a struggle to get through. Uh, but that's not to deter anyone. I know that will sound like a deterrence, but Sound of Metal is a truly beautiful piece of art. If you didn't know Riz Ahmed could act, 
one, shame <laughs> on you. He has plenty of other stuff out there that says shows that he can. But two, this movie will shake you uh, with what he does in this film. Uh, it's truly spectacular. Um, it's about this man who is a drummer in a metal band and he is literally going deaf um so the sound design in this film is also spectacular i think it actually rightfully so won the oscar for best sound mm-hmm. i was i was going to throw something if it didn't um because it is that incredible <laughs> paul racy also was nominated for best supporting actor as an actual man who knows asl uh, because i believe in real life his parents are deaf and like he's partially deaf so he has to use asl on a regular basis so he's used as this kind of surrogate teacher and surrogate father figure to Riz Ahmed. Olivia Cook is in here, who you probably know her better from Ready Player One, but she's also great in this uh, uh, as kind of Riz Ahmed's drug where he's trying to siphon off of her. It's almost like a, a rehab story in many ways. It's There's just a lot this movie is accomplishing uh, that you would not expect it to. And it's the final scene of this movie is one of the strongest and most powerful scenes I've seen in any film, period. End of statement. Um, so I couldn't recommend it enough. Sound of Metal is amazing. I believe it's on Amazon Prime if you want to see it. Nice. Yeah, uh, that is a big one that I have not gotten to see yet. I just I, – I know I'll be able to handle it. It's just a – it's really a matter of being in the right headspace yeah. <laughs> for it. Like I even know I want to rewatch it, but it's just like, man – I. I don't know when I'll be ready to rewatch it, but whenever I am, I am stoked to rewatch this movie. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my number one, as we know, is Palm Springs released on Hulu in 2020, originally intended for a theatrical release, uh, but now uh, purely um, on Hulu, which honestly, I obviously doesn't detract from its quality uh, at all. I fucking love this movie. Um, (laughs) It is, uh the best uh i don't know ground Gra- groundhog day is great i think no, that, this that, is the best. i think this that is, is best. yeah i think that is one of the best time loop movies but palm springs just does the concept so well with like 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 with so much heart and with so much meaning and with such great performers uh, i'm going to do a quick google search here so i don't get the actress's name wrong but i know Andy Samberati. yes uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Milioti is fantastic. Andy Samberg yep. is one of my favorite actors, uh, and just every other performer here does. Um, does J.K. Simmons is awesome. J.K. Simmons <laughs> is great. Uh, Camila Mendez, who I know from from Riverdale, is giving a pretty solid performance here. Tyler Hecklin, who's uh, Superman in the uh, in the CW superhero shows, just everything about this 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 movie you know part of the uh, the 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 beauty of time loop movies and why i love them so much the scenes in which the characters um you know there are a couple montages uh, in this movie where we see the characters uh doing doing multiple things uh in in in, in different days you know sort of cycling mm-hmm. through the whole thing sometimes having fun sometimes being you know sort of sometimes dis- being disappointed uh dejected this is this movie i think does it so well because you can because you you really empathize with these uh these characters and it's it's different from other time movies because when uh who who i believe to be the main character uh, sarah played by kristen miliotti um she meets andy samberg he has been stuck in the time loop for a long time already so it's he, implied like thousands maybe millions of years exactly like, 
so he knows uh, so he knows what's going on and so it, it, it is in it is with that that palm springs differentiates itself from every other time loop movie out there um because it just um it just has a completely different spin on a premise that you could argue has been done a lot i don't i honestly don't think there are a lot of bad time loop movies um i i really like edge of tomorrow i really like boss level which came out in hulu in uh, uh last year i think yeah um, yeah so i actually love like so this was my number three film uh mm-hmm. i i love it as well i actually have a, an incredible soft spot for the repeating day temporal anomaly uh genre it's mm-hmm. a budding burgeoning genre of film uh but man i love these movies uh, <laughs> you're right uh the worst feature-length film in this genre, in my opinion, is Boss Level, and even mm-hmm. that is fun. Yeah, I still absolutely. enjoy watching it. Uh, so the wor- if the worst film is fun to average, then everything else is better, then this is a fun genre. Um, uh, I do think Palm Springs is the best. I understand that may be blasphemous to some. <laughs> Groundhog Day is truly the classic. It's the originator. I bow down to it. I don't uh, disrespect it in any fashion. But ba- Groundhog Day... Other than like, you know, a scene where he's contemplating that he's let this old man die, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of times without ever caring for him or that he wants to do something deeper with his life. But really, he still ends up just, eh, I'll, I'll just like help people with their car or like, you know, learn to play piano well like there's not much depth to it it's just a straight comedy and there's nothing wrong with that but palm springs offers the next level it is the comedy with so much more uh it's it's emotional it's moving there's purpose to it there's theme work behind it what it means to uh reflect on your everyday life when everything seems monotonous and mundane and you're regurgitating the same day over and over you wake up, go to work, go home, eat dinner, go to bed, and or especially the parallels with relationships if you are married and how every moment can feel like the same moment and nothing spicy about it. But mm-hmm. it's it's understanding that it's those little moments in between that make life beautiful and make relationships uh, and marriage so fun. Uh, I think Palm Springs is terrific. I really wish it had seen awards consideration the year it came out. Uh, I think it's awesome. Uh, and besides uh groundhog day and i i love edge of tomorrow as well and map of tiny perfect things but my my top three time loop movies are uh palm springs groundhog day and actually uh happy death day happy which death, is, oh, happy death which day is, is so the good. horror horror version yeah. of the time loop uh where someone dies over and over until they can figure out who their killer is so mm-hmm. it's yeah. a fun horror slash murder mystery twist on things uh and it is great so uh definite recommend uh for those but in in particular palm springs absolutely yeah it's just just an incredibly strong genre in general um and and you know i'm 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 not saying we need a ton of them uh, because we don't want to tire you know we don't want to tire it out but i think what we do have now is just so good and i would not mind more Uh, but uh, regardless so that is our list uh heath do you have any honorable mentions i do uh so Again, I listed some movies that I didn't personally consider because they are films, but I wouldn't consider them movies, um, which was Bo Burnham's Inside, we already spoke about, but also Derek Delgadio's uh, In and of Itself. Uh, I think that is incredibly powerful and moving. That made me ball my eyes out, and it is something special if you haven't seen it. Uh, also, uh, I would give uh, honorable mentions to Coda, uh, a Best Picture nominee from this year, Roma, 
which was a Best Picture nominee from Netflix about probably four years ago now, maybe even longer. Um, And then also uh, One Night in Miami. I thought One Night in Miami was incredibly powerful stuff. So all of those are my honorable mentions. Yep, those are on my list as well. I have, uh, uh, did you mention Soul? I did not. I I like Soul, but I'm not as enamored with it as uh, others are. Yeah, um, I have a soft spot for Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's objectively not not a great movie. I had a lot of fun watching it. And that's totally fine. Uh, yeah, uh, same with uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Not a great movie, but God, is it fun. I watched it Halloween night after I came back from trick-or-treating while just feasting on candy, and that was an experience, let me tell you. Um, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the Netflix film based on an August Wilson play that came out yep. uh, at the end of last year. Uh, I love Anthony Hopkins. I still think Chadwick should have won the Oscar. Um, and uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, which came out on Netflix in 2019. Uh, I love Breaking Bad, and I think that this movie, um, it, uh, it it didn't need to exist, but I think it did very well for uh, for. Uh, the reasons that it did um also on netflix uh blood red sky uh basically you know giving um uh you know taking snakes on a plane and swapping snakes out for vampires uh man is this movie yeah man is this movie fun um not perhaps not great but so much fun Mm -hmm. um and uh finally uh uh the fear street trilogy which i'm roping into being one movie because it's it, it really is um this is a, a trilogy based on an R.L. Stein series that came out on Netflix last year. I had so much fun. I had an ungodly amount of fun with these movies. Uh, they came out uh, in, in, in three weeks in, in the summer, I believe in July of 2021. And yep. this is like, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't think these would work as theatrical releases, but no. they, are, they are theatrical quality. They are I, so I good. Would- I yeah. would even say, as a streaming exercise, mm-hmm. I think this is an, a, an incredible experiment yes. that I hope that they replicate. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the first Fear Street was okay. I actually liked the second one a lot. Same. I thought the third one was quite bad, and it left a sour taste in my mouth to mm-hmm. the whole experience. If you can't stick the landing, that it makes it rough. But that's just to me personally. I understand that a lot of people love the third one. Um, but one thing I did take away from Fear Street, regardless, is... It was so fun to see a brand new trilogy of movies where literally you got a new entry to the movie one week after another. You yep. didn't have to wait a year to get the new movie. It was Friday movie, next Friday movie, next Friday movie. And you had a whole trilogy within three weeks. And that was a blast. I hope that uh, that is replicated and we see more mm-hmm. projects of that nature because it's such a fun, unique way to tell a story that, that I think people can really uh, sink their teeth into and enjoy. Yeah, and aside from an incredibly unnecessary uh, end credits tease, uh, it's 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 one contained story. It it doesn't yep. feel the need to extend itself, and it 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 gives you all you need in three you know ninety minute movies. I mm-hmm. I really really loved them, and. Uh, also, on top of everything, this is not Goosebumps. Uh, the Fear Street movies are so incredibly violent, so incredibly yes. profane, uh, and just goes to if show you that like eighty slasher horrors. Yeah. This is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Yep. it is a love letter to those in many ways. Exactly, proving that R.L. Stein can work in the uh, in the mature 
uh, in a mature context, uh, not mm -hmm. just for kids' uh, materials. But yeah, so that is, uh, those are our lists for uh, our uh, favorite straight to streaming movies. Uh, I know, you know, most of the ones that we mentioned are from the last few years, but that's because in the last few years, uh, production of these movies has, has been ramping up, and especially in the pandemic, a lot has been released uh, straight to video, um, for better or for worse. Um, but you know that just means that we can uh, that we could enjoy them uh, earlier than we might have otherwise. Uh, yep. So uh, before we wrap up, we're going to expand the universe a little bit and mention uh, one thing, one movie, one TV show, one book, whatever we want to mention uh, from any area of uh, pop culture that we might want to recommend or warn. Uh, Heath, do you want to start us out? Yeah, I'm going to recommend Road to El Dorado. So Road to El Dorado is a movie that came from DreamWorks. Uh, a hand-drawn two-dimensional animated movie uh, that we don't get to see pictures like this anymore. Uh, I never got to see it back in the day. I don't know why um, it never just came about, but uh, I finally got to take the chance to go back and watch it. And this movie was a lot of fun. I, I don't know why it was panned and maligned at the time. I think this is genuinely a good movie. Uh, I see that retroactively, uh, there's been kind of a retrospective on the film and people have been gone back, going back to reanalyze it and seeing that there is quality to it. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the road to El Dorado. Um, it's a pretty simple story about a couple con men from Spain that try to escape to the new world to find El Dorado, the lost city of gold and steal it for all it's worth. Uh, but at the same time, they kind of, become infatuated with some of the culture or they feel like they're stuck because of some odd and awkward predicaments that happen. And I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, it's a fun story. There's some solid humor to it. There's some great voice acting by Kenneth Branagh of death on the Nile nice. and uh, Kevin Klein is in it. Rosie Perez, um, uh, Edward James almost is in this. Uh, and it's also vi visually beautiful. Now they're never really quite clear on what culture this is supposed to be whether it's supposed to be aztec mayan or incan um but whatever they're trying to depict it as uh it, it's very colorful it's very lively it's very uh entertaining to look at and there's a lot of really nice uh watercolor backgrounds and some cool uh, imagery that they're using that just makes this uh, a visual treat as well as an interesting story so if you'd like uh family classics uh animated films kind of uh maybe something that you hadn't seen in a while. It's been over 20 years since it came out. Uh, I would recommend The Road to El Dorado. It's a good time. I've never heard of this movie, so I'm definitely going to have to be checking this one out. Yep. Um, I am going to... I really don't know if I'm going to be recommending or warning this movie. I'm still <laughs> flip-flopping on it. Uh, this is Pain and Gain, a movie directed oh, uh, yeah. by Michael Bay that came out in 2013. I watch, So I watched this for class. I am currently taking a lecture class on the action genre, and uh, my teacher chose to show us this instead of Bad Boys uh, for our Michael Bay uh, week. And That's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will just say the most common thing that was said in uh, th th that I heard thrown around the theater when we were watching this was what the fuck is this movie? Uh, <laughs> because uh, there were a lot of laughs um, and, and because 
my teacher, uh, my, my professor, I should say, I'm not in high school anymore, uh, said um, at the beginning that, you know, some view this as a satirization of, um, of you know, uh, m- uh, machismo, male dominance, that type of thing. And some people view it as being completely straight and serious. I don't know how you can watch this movie and not see that it is a very clear satire, especially given that the writers of this movie wrote the last two Avengers movies. Uh, and uh, this is Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely writing the script for this, um, who are, you know, we know from their scripts that they are very smart people. Um, and so, yeah, so this movie is essentially uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg is a bodybuilder and he teams up with Anthony Mackie, pre Captain America, and uh, Dwayne Johnson, sporting a nice little beard, uh, to rob. Um, to rob this uh, rich asshole, uh, basically, um, and uh, but of course things go sideways, uh, and that is not even the first half of this movie. Uh, this felt like a fever dream. I really don't uh, know how to describe my experience while watching this. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't think it's a movie I'm ever going to go back to, uh, but <laughs> man. This, uh, I, I was thinking about this. It has been almost a week since I've seen this. I have been thinking uh, about this uh, ever since I saw it, and I don't see that really changing anytime soon. It makes a ton of stylistic choices that I think are objectively terrible, but I just think they're so fascinating that um, th- that th- they evidently they stuck with me, um, which I th- yeah. think is a good thing. Um, and honestly, I really don't know how to classify this movie. I gave it two and a half stars on letterbox landing right in the middle because and, and who knows that might change it might get lower it might get higher i really don't know um but then again yeah so that is uh pain and gain um directed by the one and only michael bay yeah i never saw this one i didn't really ever want to see this one i probably <laughs> ne- will never will see this one yeah. uh the thing is as much as i would like to think it was satire mm-hmm. uh Michael Bay has never presented himself to be that kind of person yeah. that understands and knows how to shoot satire. And I think he did, which is much more apropos of his filmography, try to shoot this earnestly and <laughs> in seriousness, the uh, revving up uh, bro machismo because he does do that in a lot of his movies. And mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know if this is a film I would want to, suffer through yeah uh, it does get bonus points for uh making my jaw stay on the floor almost its entire runtime it was yep. genuinely shocking in i don't know if it's the best or worst possible way uh and it, it, it kept on reminding us despite how crazy things gotten that it was still based on a true story um which caused me to do some research afterward and yes most of the crazy insane stuff that happens in this movie did actually happen which is even more insane so uh yeah that is pain and gain and heath you recommend uh, the road to El Dorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, that will be all for this week's episode of the Lenient Critic. Uh, Heath, I want to thank you again so much for joining me. Um, Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Um, is there uh, anywhere on the internet uh, that you would like to leave people? Any profiles or anything? Yes, the uh, best place you could find me if you like my depressing takes on film. Um, I promise I'm, I can be very cheerful about stuff. This week just uh, had some movies that I wasn't a fan of. Uh, but you can find me at Letterboxd. I am on there all the time. I watch movies constantly. I'm on average probably taking in 10 to 15 films a week. I write a review for every single thing I watch. Uh, at minimum, they're probably 200 to 500 words. Uh, and then at maximum for some of the bigger new releases that I'll 
uh, stamp to my profile, I'll easily churn out 2,000 words like it's nothing. Um, <laughs> so if you can enjoy my ramblings, uh, I'd love for you to find me there at the One Heath Bar. Again, letterboxed at the One Heath Bar. Uh, that's the best place to find me. Yeah, uh, Heath writes the longest and best Letterboxd reviews of anyone I follow on there. Uh, <laughs> I am also on Letterboxd. Uh, my username is Screen Avenger. Uh, I wish I could change it, but all the links that I put on uh, up on my other sites uh, lead to the Screen Avenger profile, so I can't change them now lest create a bunch more work for myself. Uh, so uh, I am on, uh, that's me on Letterboxd. Uh, I also, uh, please go to thelenientcritic.com. I uh, write uh, reviews for most of the new films I see there. Um, and uh, I've also started writing for another website called TheInventionOfDreams.com, run by my good friend Bernard Ozorowski, who has been on this podcast a couple of times. Um, I write more um, intelligent think pieces on there, uh, so much more, uh, much smarter writing that's on uh, The Leaning Critic. Leaning Critic's basically just reviews, and... Um, uh, the invention of dreams is, uh, you know, sort of more philosophical and sophisticated uh, things. So if you want to head over there, uh, that is the invention of dreams.com. It would be much appreciated. Uh, and please subscribe to the Lenient Critic Podcast. Rate us five stars. It really does help. Um, and uh, I will be back next week with a brand new episode. And Heath is going to be coming back in a couple months for another very special episode. Um, so, Heath, once again, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And I'll be back next week.